to see everyone. I know that um, a number of you did not hear the, the announcements at the end of our, our first service. I do want to encourage you, you've seen the different entrances. We have a, a prayer list here. Take one of these. It lists the missionaries that we support that have been uh, served from here. If you take this, put this somewhere where you could uh, go through and pray for them every day. That would be a wonderful blessing. So this is our Sunday school time, our combined Sunday school. We're going to have uh, the blessing of hearing from two uh, missionaries this morning. One is Rodney and Lindy Kidd. Uh, returned from Germany this uh, last year, and we've, we've been partnering with him for many years now, so looking forward to hearing from him. Then I'll come up and introduce our, our second speaker as well. But uh, Rodney, if you would, come on up. Mentioned in the last service, if you didn't hear it, he went from pastoring at Heritage Baptist Church to serving in Germany and the two church plants. And brother, good to have you this morning. Guten Morgen. <laughs> it's a joy to be with you um, and to share with you a little bit about just kind of a, I guess you'd say one of the characteristics of God. I was asked to share on, on God's faithfulness, and that's, that's very easy to do uh, because we've been able to see that over many, many years. We were in Germany 37 years, and you folks partnered with us all those years. And just to kind of dive into the subject, uh, missions as, as, as well as just walking with the Lord is, but especially missions, whether it's to your neighbor or to a foreign country, is stepping out into the unknown. When we left here, we had lived in Germany for two years when I was in the military, but uh, it's a little different going not under the umbrella of Uncle Sam, but under the umbrella just of the invisible God, who's the eternal God, the almighty God, but not knowing anybody when we got to the city, the city we ministered in. And the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And so it's my joy to share with you just a few little incidents in our lives, how we saw the faithfulness of God. And at the end, just so you'll know where we're headed, at the end, I want to encourage you to walk by faith, and to let God do things in his life, that, in your life, <coughs> excuse me, that only, only he can do. Because the Bible says, the Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end, for his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And in the New Testament, Hebrews 10, let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And so I want to encourage you this morning to trust that faithful God. Uh, you know, there's that great song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and it reminds us of this truth because in the refrain it says, All I have needed thy hand has provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So let me just share a little bit of our story, and I'd like to begin then, uh, as Brother Jeff mentioned, had the joy of helping the heritage get started. Um, and what a joy that was. You know, I was in the seminary when, I got, when the church got started, and uh, as a seminary student, it felt like I know everything. You know, I know everything. But what happened during those six years at Heritage before we went to Germany, I learned some very, very valuable lessons. Lessons of how to deal with people, lessons of listening to people, 
and not thinking you know everything, um, which is very hard for a young theological student to understand. Um, I learned how to get along, a little bit, I think, how to get along with people. And the Lord gave me some people at the church, especially one man there, that just had a way of confronting me and showing me, I need to think about this. And I learned to listen. I learned how to trust the Lord for finances. We started in the basement of a home on Breezewood Drive, went to a storefront building, and I remember one time we were having a a drive to raise, in those days, $25,000. Oh, that was a bunch of money back then. This would have been back about 1988, I guess. I don't know, 87. Um, And I had a seminary friend who was normally a real encouragement to me, but a seminary friend of mine who said, Rod, are you crazy? You'll never get that much money. The Lord gave us much more than $25,000. And it just kept went on and on and on. Just to see how the Lord provides for your finances. And, and to learn to listen to faithful men. The picture here is our farewell service at Heritage as we left to go to Germany. And as we went, um, the Lord then gave us the, a series or a, a, a group of churches that supported us a faithful bunch of churches, including Timberlake. Most of our churches were with us for 37, maybe 38 years, including deputation year. And that's not uh, something you take for granted, to have churches that stay with you and pray with you. And your church is a part of that team. And I want to thank you for standing with us. It's not something to be taken for granted. uh, And we appreciate that. And I hope what I'm sharing this morning is going to be an encouragement to you about that. Then when we got to Germany, the Lord gave us a home, a home where we had not, room, not only room enough for our family, at that point we had four children, but where we could start a church in our living room. I didn't know where else to start, so we just started in our living room, and we had up to, sometimes on our, one of some of our high days, up to 85 people in our home, in our children's bedrooms for Sunday school, for nursery, and every, everything was being used, and just the, the opportunity of seeing how God provided and a missionary friend of mine who had been in Germany had said, right, it's a lot, it might be a lot cheaper for you to buy carpet in the U.S. and take it on a little container uh, before you go to Germany. So I did. Well, what size do you get? What color do you get? Went to Carpet World or something like that here. Got carpet squares. All of the carpets that we bought fit just perfectly to the wallpaper in the three bedrooms. And they were too small. Oh, you have little faith. But just to see how the Lord provided a home for us and a landlord that was willing to rent to a big family, even knowing that we were going to start a a Christian church there, which in Germany, a Baptist church, is is normally considered to be a cult because you're either Catholic or Lutheran. And just to see how the Lord provided a place to get started. And, And not only that, but the Lord answered prayer, leading us to what I call key people. People who would be investing their lives in other people. People who are wanting to be discipled. People who are wanting to share Christ. People who are excited about what had happened in their lives and were eager to pass that on. And very early the Lord led some very um, uh, committed university students to us who had been discipled through uh, the navigators, but they, had, they were wise and knew, okay, our, our university career is coming to an end. We need to move over now to get involved in the local church. And some of these young men came to me and said, can you disciple us? Well, instead of me asking them, they asked me. And what a joy it is to, to have the opportunity 
to disciple someone and to help them grow in the Lord and, and um, just to see how the Lord works in their lives. And one of these men was this guy right here. This is our German equivalent of the guy that the Lord gave me over at Heritage who had a very diplomatic way of coming to me and just showing me what am I doing that's still very American? What am I, I would ask him, Henning, what am I doing that strikes you as being foreign, that is not German? And he would share these things with me so that our church was able to become a German church and not just an, an American church or a Baptist church that just happened to be in, in, in Germany instead of in, in America. Learning to listen uh, and, and continuing to disciple these men and leading the men to be the, the, all that the Lord can have them to be and leading them to discover all that the Lord wanted them to discover and intentionally discipling men from the church, but also interns. Over the years, we had over 20 interns from the various Bible schools in Germany, and I would seek to pour my life into them, pour our love for the local church into them, and help them to become all that the Lord would have for them. Some of them are in missions. Some of them are working in church work as full-time. Some of them are working as, as laymen. But just the opportunity of seeing how God leads you to people and how God leads people to you that want to know more. Then as the church grew, the Lord gave us some terrific facilities that we rented on one of the main streets in town. And we were able to tell the landlord how we wanted it renovated. It was just not just, okay, see if it'll fit. We told him how we wanted it renovated so that our rooms would fit in. And, and what a, a joy that was to see how God worked there. And then we started our first daughter church about a half an hour south of town where some families in our church had, 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 lived, had lived there and wanted to start a kindergarten and through the Christian kindergarten. They had contacts to families and through the families we had the opportunity to say, well, what about starting Bible studies and what about coming to church? Just how God uses a network of people, people who know people and leading you through kind of a snowball effect, opening doors to share the gospel. And the Lord continued then to, as that group left, and continued to fill up the mother church, and we continued to see people come to know the Lord, and, and the Lord continued to give us growth. So we then started another daughter church. This is the picture of the, of the mother church. And we were then to start a, a, another church uh, a, little, a few years later, but how the Lord led us to this facility. I mean, we... You, you just need to understand that buying a building in, in Germany is, is not an easy thing to do. And we never had the faith that we could do this until the Lord just led us about three times in a little cul-de-sac. And we finally realized maybe the Lord wants us to be in this place. And so this is now paid for. And uh, we have, it was two, we have a huge piece of property right behind the building where we can have camps. Uh, children's camps, like this next picture, where we can have all kinds of opportunities for recreation for the church. And in the middle of Mannheim, a city of 320,000 people, that's just unheard of. The Lord did it. God's faithful, because Jesus said, I will build my church. And one of, the, one of the greatest emphases that I can have about showing God's faithfulness about that church building, as we're about out of, about out of funds, just towards the end of the building process. You know how it goes. It always costs a little bit more than you think. And we wanted so much to have a grand piano. We just had an upright piano. And this happened one time. I was invited to come back to the U.S. 
to lead a missions conference in a church in South Carolina. And towards the end of the conference, the pastor brought all the missionaries in, and he said, you know, we'd like to help you to do something significant for your ministries. And we would like to give you a significant amount of money to help you do something. And so I just said, Pastor, we are about to finish a building, and we would be just thrilled to death if you could give us the money to buy a baby grand piano. He gave us almost enough to buy the baby grand piano, and we got the rest. And this is it. But that happened one time in my ministry, just at the time we were building a building, it was almost as if God knew, don't you think? (laughs) The faithfulness of God to help us to do what he's called us to do. Uh, We were able then to turn the daughter church, second daughter church, over to this man. I ought to have a picture of the church somewhere, but that may be coming. Um, Just another answer to prayer to have someone who is uh, willing and, and desiring to take over the work. Uh, this is Calvin Fight. He took over the church last, well, now a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And this is the man who's leading in the mother church now, one of the leading elders. Uh, he was a deacon and then helped us in the daughter church and then became one of the elders in the mother church. And, and just to see how God is working to, to lay it on the hearts of men, to, to learn the scriptures, to have a heart for the Lord, and, and to... Serve the Lord with all of their hearts, however God leads. Um, Then, this is again the picture of the Mother Church. And just remember, of course, when we got to Germany, we didn't know anybody. But just to see how the Lord leads. This church, before COVID, would have about 150, 160 on Sunday morning. And I think they're now back up to that after, after COVID. COVID hit everybody pretty hard. This is the daughter church. Uh, before COVID, they had, we would have maybe 50 to 60. That's where we were working towards the end of our time in Germany. Uh, they've not yet recovered from COVID because a lot of the people have moved away uh, for professional reasons or family reasons. But I want to show you also some pictures of, uh, and tell you some stories about people uh, because just to see how God leads in lives of people. The couple at the top were our neighbors. And my wife noticed one day that there was a crisis. A lady was walking down the sidewalk and was very sad and she was crying. And so Lindy invited her in and we started talking to her and found out she had just found out their youngest son had diabetes and that kind of changes the whole pattern of life. And so we then began to minister to them, invited them over to, for dinner uh, the first night and, and uh, kind of led to the point of saying, well, what do you guys feel like? What about God? You guys are probably baptized as babies in Germany. That's typical. And so the man said, top right, I'm a Christian Buddhist. So I knew right away, okay, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be good. She just said, I would like to read more and more in the Bible. And, but they came to know the Lord through, just very, very quickly. Couldn't get enough. They were hungering, searching for something. The couple at the bottom, as unsaved people, they were working with children from dysfunctional families. And we offered them, from our daughter church, our church facilities so they could have this ministry for children. And so they they were unable to have children of their own. And when they found out they were able to adopt a son, they came to us and were so excited and wanted to tell us. And so my clever wife (coughs) had the good idea of saying, when when they said, we would like to present this child to God. I don't know how they said it, dedicate this child to God or whatever. And this is as unbelievers. So my clever wife says, well, don't you think it would be a good idea 
if you want to dedicate your talent to God, that we do a Bible study so that you can know a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So we started studying the Bible together, the basics of the Christian faith, and about the third or the fourth evening, I, it kind of, the message is to let up to the gospel, you know, who is Christ, who is man, what is sin, all these things. And so I just ask, would either one of you be willing to give yourself, give your heart to Christ tonight? And the wife said, Rod, I wanted to do that last time, but you didn't give me a chance. <laughs> she got saved that night. He needed a little bit longer, so about a year and a half. We kept doing Bible studies. Uh, he came to know the Lord, and, and they've now been baptized, and uh, just a joy to see people coming to know Christ and becoming some of your good friends. These are some of our best friends. We read in the Bible with them for seven to eight years before they came to know the Lord. He's, he, was my auto, he was my car mechanic, and she was an alcoholic and just all kinds of problems, but what a joy it was to lead them, and we could see how their questions were changing. The nature of their questions were changing, not anymore the skepticism that I don't, I don't see how this can work for me, but more the question, what does this mean and how can this work for me? Uh, and they came to know the Lord and were baptized in September of 2020. Then the Lord led us to an Iranian family who had, had been on vacation in Germany, and then she was a Christian in Iran, and um, had had services in her home and in her apartment in Iran. And while they were on vacation in Germany, the secret police heard about these meetings somehow, or they broke into their apartment, confiscated their apartment, closed their bank accounts, and their friends wrote them and said, you'd better not return to Iran. And so they were then sent as applicants for refugee status to our area. They had gotten in touch with the pastor up where, where they were visiting with her mother. And he looked in the internet and as the Lord had it, the faithfulness of God. He, led them, he had recommended them to come to the mother church in Mannheim. Well, in the mother church, a few years before that, one of our elders had been working very closely with an Iranian physician, an Iranian doctor, and this doctor had come to know the Lord. So here was an Iranian doctor that had come to know Christ sitting in the church so that when this Iranian couple who couldn't speak English and couldn't speak German arrived, he was able to translate for them. And the man got saved and just glorious. We started reading in the Gospel of John and through Bible server when COVID hit, we couldn't meet. But we, what you see there is Bible server with the text of John on the screen. And the man said, you know, my best friend is on vacation in Turkey. You think we could get him involved in this Bible study? So he was an American missionary being translated by an Iranian doctor in Germany, reading through Bible server in the Gospel of John with an Iranian man in Heidelberg and an Iranian man in Turkey sharing the Gospel. Amen. Isn't that terrific? The faithfulness of God searching for people, reaching people all over the world. One other person I want to be very thankful to for is my wife. We couldn't have done what we have done over those years in Germany without a faithful wife who kept us going. We have now have five children spread in four different countries of the world. But um, it's a team ministry, and I'm very thankful that God led me many years ago to my faithful wife. And um, just to say again in this point, thank you, dear Lindy. Thank you, dear church, for your support for us. Uh, also, faithfulness of God, and maybe just two or three more minutes I think I have. It wasn't all easy. 
We had one elder that got into moral sin, hurt the church significantly, caused some real difficulties, but through God's sovereignty and through God's faithfulness, God led us through it. And the church is now as recovered and is doing well. A year, few years after that, another man who was a leader in the church, his wife said to him one day, I, I can't take it anymore, I'm leaving you. But through all of these things, you see that God is faithful through thick and thin. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I just want to close with some thoughts that I feel like one of the dangers of the American church today, we've gotten too comfortable. God has blessed us so much that his blessing has almost become a curse. We're self-satisfied, we have all we need, we're after our own little kingdom and after our own little bailiwick, and it's hard for us really with a sincere heart. I try to pray this every day. It's hard for us sincerely with a sincere heart to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I want to encourage you. You bless God and you honor God when you step out in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. And I, I think we're cheating ourselves out of many, many blessings by not stepping into the unknown and being willing to do things that we don't understand how it's going to work. We don't understand where the finances are going to come from. We don't understand where the words are even going to come from when we try to share the gospel or whatever. We don't understand how it can reach people in another culture, in another language. But with God's help, I want to tell you, it is a joy to be able to step out and to look back over your life and say, it's been a good life. God has been there. God is blessed. And I want to encourage you. We had to come to the point where we felt like for us, and I'm not saying this is everybody's, God's plan for everybody, but we became, it became very clear to us we couldn't stay in this country any longer. It's not fair that there's so much gospel in this country and so little gospel in so many other countries of the world. And I had been there in Germany. I had seen it. And the Lord never let us forget Germany. And we've never regretted it. And I want to encourage you. Step out in faith. Do something for God that you cannot explain other than the power of God, other than the faithfulness of God, other than the leading of God in your life. Trust him. Malachi said, put me to the, through God, for God, speaking for God, put me to the test. And I just want to encourage you to do that. It is a joy to see God at work. And we cheat ourselves if we don't step out in faith and serve God in a way that we cannot fully explain and where we don't see how it's all going to work out. Trust him. And I want to challenge you to put your faith to the test. It's a joy to serve Jesus. It's a joy to be a part of the missionary family and to be able to see God at work and be a very small part of what he's doing in another language and another culture. What a joy to serve God. Thank you for what you're doing for missions and for us. We have prayer cards in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the back on the table to pray for these churches that you've been investing in, in the, for the last 37, 38 years. Pray for Germany. Pray for Europe. It's a very, very dark continent. 
Pray for your folks that are serving God, and may God encourage you to serve him where you are. God bless. Wow, it's, it's, I don't know how you could do a better job of, of captivating so many years of ministry and seeing God's faithfulness through it all and just seeing lives change. Boy, that was exciting and, and, a, and a blessing to see. Thank you so much, Rodney. Uh, so we're going to shift gears a little bit here and, and go to Stephen Katie Smith. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of context for, for them as well. I mentioned the earlier service, I met them a couple of years ago at a shepherd's conference, and we've been praying providentially that God would lead us to a ministry for Michael and Maymay in China. Now, sending them to China was not the problem. You could, you know, going overseas and landing there and, and is not the difficult task. No one be, being strategic about what to do with missions and, and the right fit for his giftings and us as a church to partner with another ministry were the key elements we were working for, uh, working towards. And when we met Stephen Cady, we felt like, wow, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. They've been serving in with the Shanghai Bible Church now for a dozen years. And training men, I'm going to let him share some of that testimony part there. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to having, uh, right now, Lord willing, have Michael and Mamie come alongside them and start taking over some of the training and getting them to China, uh, hopefully sometime next year, if those doors open up as they need to be. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the Lord has in store for us. But right now, Steve, looking forward to having you come and share a word with us, brother. wish the Lord made me a little taller so I could get up above the computer and you can actually see me in the process. But uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Jeff and the leadership of Timberlake for giving us the privilege to be part of this uh, missions emphasis. And I must say it's a joy even as a missionary to hear other missionary stories. So thank you, brother, for that story in Germany and uh, that faithfulness and how the Lord used you over there. Um, We're going to talk a bit about China. Uh, This, of course, is a picture of the Great Wall. If Brother Woody's here, he probably recognizes that, uh, that tagline, equipping nationals to reach nationals, and it's really kind of the emphasis of the ministry that my wife Katie and I have had the privilege to, uh, to do in China. Uh, Pastor Jeff asked us to kind of share a vision about China, so we're going to do that in three parts. I'm going to give you a jet tour of kind of how the mission's journey has developed and uh, been c- conducted over about 25 years. Uh, what I like to call the best laid plans of mice and men, or biblically we might call this Proverbs 16:9. We make plans, but the Lord directs our steps, and then God always has his better plan. So I like our brothers talk about faithfulness and just stepping forward in faith, and it really is the mantra of what you have to be doing if you're working in the field. So our journey began some years ago when this fourth of four girls was born to this Chinese family. Her parents were intellectuals. Her mother was a medical doctor in China. Her father was a chief engineer in a factory. And Katie was his designated boy because he never had a boy, so she was kind of the fill-in for that as the fourth child. So obviously before the one-child policy. And basically, uh, over the years from her birth, the Lord really did a very miraculous uh, work. He saved her and transformed her from an actual atheist and Communist Party member. So she was a professor in Peking University, and uh, she was atheistic and a Communist Party member to a regenerated member of the family of God 
And along the way, what he did is he called her back to serve in China. Now, you have to understand, at the time that she got out of China, her family had been persecuted, persecuted in the Great Cultural Revolution. She left right on the heels of Tiananmen Square. So you young ones, hopefully they're teaching you that in school. Us older ones, we probably lived through some of that. And God practically brought her out of there. And when she came to America, it was to realize her American dream, and she vowed she'd never go back to China. Well, God allowed her to achieve some of her American dream, but didn't honor the second part. He did indeed send her back to China. And that service began in 1998, uh, and Katie was leading, um, she was leading evangelistic teams to China, and, uh, and what she would do is take teams over there on college campuses around the holidays, particularly Christmas time, and they would uh, perform the Christmas story and give the gospel. And this was kind of my first acquaintance with her. We were not married at the time. She was a member of the church that I was attending, and they were a major supporter of her. And I have to admit that I was a bit skeptical uh, about what she said about that, sinfully skeptical, I guess I'd have to say. But in fact, the ministry was probably understated and not overstated. So here's just kind of a quick picture of one of the events that she would do. She'd take these American teams. They'd fly over 13 hours. She'd have them on a plane within an hour. So she just basically beat them up and sent them home tired. But they did a lot of ministry in the time they were over there. And uh, if uh, Dr. Mark's here, I, I want to let you know that I've confessed and repented to my wife. And she's graciously forgiven me. So don't call me to the principal's office, please, when we're done here today. But uh, from there, it expanded to equipping uh, underground house church leaders. Uh, it was itinerant in nature. Uh, Katie uh, was around China quite a bit. This is when we did come across and meet Bro Brother Woody. He had been faithfully serving over there and bringing up... Uh, this young man, Michael Lowry, who we're very grateful for. And basically at this point, the ministry's transitioning to teaching the Bible. So the house church networks are hungry. Uh, they don't have equipping and training and they would grab it anywhere they can. So when they saw her and, and, and met her, uh, this is just a few of the places she'd been over that time. Now in a twist on Genesis 2, we have kind of a new version. God decided it wasn't good for the woman to be alone. And so what he did is he brought her a ministry partner, and together uh, we began uh, continuing in this ministry. And uh, just as our brother shared, uh, I'm grateful to her, as you're grateful to your wife. And I'll also say she's the greatest sanctifying force in my life, so I'm also grateful for that as well. But uh, we continued in the itinerant ministry model. Um, this was actually our first trip together after we were married, which we called our honeymoon. I took her to a chicken farm. This is where we were. So if any of you ladies were upset about your honeymoon, it could be worse. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but indeed, uh, there's a funny backstory which we don't have time for. Ask Katie about that. Uh, we continued that. Uh, we continued with evangelism. We had a brother in the States that we knew that did open air evangelism. So we taught them how to do sketchboards and really taught them of uh, a highly uh, orthodox and good gospel message. And they indeed took that forward and uh, shared the gospel in the open square, which is really relatively unheard of in China. They also used it in small villages in the northeast of China and uh, used it to take the evangelistic message there. In 2012, we were invited to serve with a single church in a major Chinese city. Um, Jeff's already busted me on which city that was, so I won't say it again just for security purposes. But, um, and they asked us to help them establish a biblical church structure. 
So they asked us to help them develop elders. They wanted to preach expositorily, and they wanted to get into biblical counseling, interestingly enough. So um, we did embark with them on that. This was a church that was a church plant uh, from a church in Hong Kong. It started out as one small group, and over the course of time, it is today um, led by five, five bivocational elders. So in China, most of the men that are serving are serving bivocationally. It's approximately 750 people attending services on a Sunday. They do three Sunday services, and they have 36 small groups. So it really is a testimony, not only to God's faithfulness, but the faithfulness to believers in very difficult circumstances. China's a very different place than America, and yet they've always just been faithful to following the Lord. Um, We came back to the States in 2018 for a short furlough and really didn't intend to stay long, but uh, three things happened that have now uh, extended that time. The first was uh, my father going home to the Lord, so we're thankful that I could be here and spend time with him during that season. And then Katie broke her kneecap, and uh, about nine months of surgery and rehab later, we were ready to go again, and then guess what happened? COVID-19. So we're kind of frustrated missionaries, I guess I would say at this point in time, wanting to get back to China, but thus far, the Lord hasn't done it. But in May of last year, uh, Katie and I decided, okay, we got to get serious about this, and we started to lay out our plans for doing that, and we set out to return to China, which included really two things. One, revisiting and reestablishing our relationships with our supporting churches and individuals, and that went very, very well, and we were grateful for that. But second was seeking to fill one strategic need, and that strategic need was to develop a Second Timothy 2-2 ministry partner that we could take back. Now, you all probably know that verse, but Pastor Jeff yesterday introduced a new paraphrase. He called it, out with the old, in with the new. So today it's all about out with the old, and I think my African missionary brothers are going to have a similar story, but we couldn't be more delighted with the opportunity to have a trained young man, also with a Chinese national as a wife, and has one incredible, well, he's two gifts that I don't have right now, one of which is the gift of time, and secondly is the gift of language. So um, one of the things I would say to anybody going to the field and you feel led and called to the field, your first step is to learn the language and to be able to communicate with them in their native tongue. So we providentially uh, came here to Timberlake, where the Lord facilitated us meeting uh, Pastor Jeff. Actually, it was, I think, courageous churchman it was down in Florida and uh, we had a pretty quick meeting of the minds we're both kind of trying to play poker face and we both decided we're lousy poker players so it was kind of fun just to see uh, a man who just really understands missions ministry a man who himself served on the field and really understands the changing face of missions because missions is changing so we were excited about that we developed what we thought was a great plan But we were humbly reminded as I started of Proverbs 16.9, and that is we may plan our ways, but the Lord directs our steps. Or maybe more accurately, he redirected our steps. So we had done what we could do to get back to China, including a number of decisions I made that are questionable that my wife reminds me of with some level of frequency. Gently, I might have made, but she's right. And uh, nevertheless... uh, Uh, God did have his better plan, and it really was a better plan. Now, this was revealed by means of three different trigger events across the time. So we had planned something. We had planned to put together a a big training institute, which is what we had 
intended to do when we left and the church wanted us to do there. But uh, because of being out, we couldn't do that. But the first one occurred in October of last year when the government finally raided and shut this church down. So they had owned the, a quarter of a floor of a high-rise building in the city where they are, and they met on Sundays. They had three Sunday services. In October, they finally were raided and shut down. Now, praise the Lord, uh, no lasting effects to that. Nobody was arrested, um, but they were raided and shut down. So as a result of that, the church immediately became a network of 36 house churches. Now, our brother talked about God's providence. One of the things this church invested in early was a small group network. And in that small group network, they had really built this over the years. So very strong and vibrant small groups. And all of a sudden, they become very critical to this ministry because of it being broken up. Now, COVID had also prepared them for a remote ministry because they have also were having to do things over Zoom. So they had both the physical and the electronic infrastructure to accomplish what they needed to accomplish during that period of time. So the Lord had prepared them, but they really needed and had an immediate need to equip more qualified men to be leading in these small groups. So the leadership came back to us, asked us to figure out how we could activate the training electronically. I have to admit, I'm still fighting the Lord at this point. I'm an old bull, an old bull and I don't want to learn new tricks. And for me, doing ministry electronically was kind of like, eh, you can't really do that, but the Lord pressed it, and uh, we did set to planning how to do that. Now, we were planning at this point, and Pastor Jeff and Michael were a part of this, a much more holistic, larger piece, you know, kind of like a baby uh, expositor seminary, if you would, to think of it that way. Um, but now the need's a lot more in, uh, immediate, and a second trigger hit, and this was very unexpected. In December of last year, the government published new internet regulations whereby all religious content over the internet now had to be registered. So when you hear China talk about the underground church or the house church network, what they're really saying is churches that are faithful to Christ as the head, not the government as the head. So it's not underground as in it's hidden per se, but it's underground in that it's not buying into the government scenario of reporting and registering. Well, now all the content has to be registered. That's the first part of it. Otherwise, it would be deemed illegal and banned with stiff financial penalties. Now, I don't know what persecution looks like in Germany. In China, the Chinese people really have suffered physically for decades, even hundreds of years. So physical persecution, being jailed, doesn't really impact them. Messing with their pocketbooks big time impacts them. So if the government wants to enforce compliance in some particular way, they will do that by implementing stiff financial penalties. So that's what those penalties were, and these regulations did in fact become law in March 1st of this year. So that was the second big trigger, and all of this of course changes our figuring to getting going. So we spent the month of December last year developing curriculum. In January, six men were selected to participate in our first training cohort which commenced in February. So we had about an eight-month um, kind of curriculum planned out for them. And the format was that we would meet with them once a month for about three hours, and that was the formal training scenario. And then each of the six men were broken up into groups of two with an overseeing elder who also then went through the training again as well 
And they had breakout sessions, which we did twice a month, and those were scheduled for an hour and a half each. Now, I have to say, this is, these are hours that are translation hours, so about 60% effectiveness, if you will, of time in that period of time. And in those breakout sessions, um, we were working through homework, exercises of things they were doing, and they were also doing companion reading in theology. So John Gruden's uh, Systematic Theology is translated into Chinese, and they have access to that. So we were doing some companion reading on bibliology and theology proper, supporting some of the work we were doing to teach them how to preach expositorily. And uh, that's how the breakout sessions um, were intended to work. Katie was also meeting monthly with the wives of these men, helping them understand what it's like to be the wife of a man who's in a ministry scenario. Now, again, I have to remind you, all these men are serving bivocationally. Uh, work is hard in China. Even white-collar work is hard in China. The hours are extensive. So it's really quite amazing what they do in terms of how they serve the church. So Katie is meeting with their wives, helping them to understand what it means to be part of a ministry and how that may impact and change their lives. And so it was a very busy time. And then God had the third surprise. And then the third surprise was that in March of uh, this year, this major city, which is 28 million people, so you can triangulate, and that'll get you down to two or three cities in China. So you're talking about 340,000 or so, and Mannheim just kind of ratchet that up just a bit. But um, you know, 28 million people were locked down. And, and I mean locked down, literally. And they were locked into their houses for three months. So as an example, if you had been visiting somebody at that point in time, when the lockdown came, guess what? You had a new home for 90 days. Now, if a delivery individual was in your house delivering something, guess what? You had a new family member for 90 days. And it was severe and it was extreme. Uh, and yet, God used that to give us something these men otherwise didn't have, which was time. So the businesses are all kind of closed down. The offices are shut down. So the elders came back to us and said, can you compress our schedule from eight months down to about four months? They didn't know how long this was going to last. It did last 90 days. Uh, and we did. And we were able to do that down into four months. Now, when we compress that, it doesn't mean we sacrificed anything in terms of what we were teaching or the depth of the material. It just meant that we were meeting twice as much. Okay, so all of a sudden, Katie and I are kind of scrambling together to get material. I'm doing it in English. She has to translate it into Chinese. That's not easy, okay, because Chinese doesn't map to English very well. A lot of the theological concepts, they don't have Chinese words or symbols for. So we're trying to figure out how we make that all work together. And now we're meeting more than that. Now, because they have time, the three-hour meetings are at least five or six every time. The one-and-a-half-hour breakout meetings were a minimum of three hours, but as you mentioned, it's just a joy, right? God brings these people to you. He creates these circumstances. Their hunger for the Word and their hunger for the Lord is a joy. Poor Pastor Farrell here has to wonder if you're going to sit still for, what, 50 minutes every week, right? And you're faithful. I've been here. You, you do. But, you know, we're worrying about what time's the ball game on. We've got to get the lunch on time, and they're just excited to have the word. So it's, it's joyful, but it's overwhelming in terms of what it, what it becomes. So we're doing Zoom. Uh, China is 12 hours out of phase with us, so it's perfect. So we're online with them for about three hours every morning and three hours every night. 
and uh, the Lord's showing us how we can use technology. So we finished up this first semester in June uh, teaching these men expository preaching methodology and some core theology. Uh, since they have quote, quote, graduated, they're not really graduated, they're kind of through the first piece of this, we have been working with them to study the book of Colossians. So that's the next book they're going to teach. Hold your breath, Pastor Farrell. They finished Romans in a year. So, I mean, you know, that's either, I don't know, great or irresponsible, probably the second. <laughs> but uh, I think it, so it, it's hard for them. Again, remember they're bivocational. They're faithful expositors, okay? But they get very intimidated when they look at preaching smaller blocks of text. So giving them the confidence in going through this training that there's a richness to God's word that they can really bring out was a big part of what we were working through in the training. So we've been working with them since the the actual training ended at the end of June. We've been outlining the book of Colossians. We got them convinced to spend about a year and a half on that. So um, we'll we'll tag Philemon on to the end of that. And uh, uh, they've started that series on August 7th. So what we've been doing now to give these new graduates some experience is they have a a rotation in the pulpit there. Okay, so again, remember they're bivocational. Nobody can preach week after week. So they plan out their schedule. The elders they have rotate in the pulpit. So as their elders' rotation comes up for the passage that's up, these new trainees also do all the exegetical work and block diagramming and homiletical outlines, and now they also prepare a sermon, which my dear wife gets to hear from them every week. So we're training them to get ready uh, and this is one of the areas we're excited about Michael because uh, he can actually understand them. I can smile, look like one of those bobblehead dolls when they're speaking Chinese. But, um, and so we then spend time with kind of helping them with the messages and auditing that with the hope that they will be able to join the pulpit rotation sometime in early 2023. So they don't rush them into this, which is good. Uh, they do make sure they're thoroughly able and comfortable to do it. Uh, but as anybody who's ever stood in a pulpit knows until you stand in a pulpit, you don't know how to do it. So hopefully uh, they, will, they will grow in that. Now we're currently preparing for two new cohorts, which are going to start in September. And this is where TBC, or Timberlake Bible, uh, Baptist, of course, and, and Michael really come in. Uh, in short, what has happened for us is that the ministry demand is outstripping our capacity to continue to do that. So we are again making ministry plans, and we're excited to actualize those plans. So I think I contacted Pastor Jeff about a month and a half ago, and I said, okay, I'm not kidding anymore. It's time. And uh, gratefully, uh, your leadership team has begun to make some plans to free Michael up. We're extraordinarily excited. We're grateful to Pastor Woody for getting him on the, our brother Woody for getting him on the path all those many years ago. I just laugh about how God uses people, as you said. Here's a, an army man that learned language, and turns out he taught him Mandarin. And then he excited another young man about serving in China. Uh, Michael shared this at the uh, chapel uh, yesterday or Friday at school and just talked about how, as a 15-year-old, he went, and he went to China and was excited about that developed a heart for the people, had a desire to learn to communicate with the people, has learned the language, and this is just how God works. He works in these amazing different ways. So I can't even get one of those three-dimensional Rubik's cubes, you know, to get all the colors lined up. 
I just can't even imagine how many dimensions God's got on his Rubik's Cube up there and just how he's working in those things. So we're excited. Um, we're, we're excited to actually see these plans start to happen and come true. So we're working on how we can begin to integrate Michael. So if I can close with a couple of prayer requests, please pray that uh, God will allow us to return. Uh, Lord willing, Katie and I still want to get back to China. We have no idea what's going to happen. It's still closed pretty tight right now. A lot going on politically there uh, with their equivalent of elections that will happen in October. So we think we'll have some more insight into that. Oddly enough, it may be easier for Michael to get in than for Katie and I uh, because he could go perhaps and teach English. So with all the changes that have been happening, all the Americans that aren't really committed to being there have flown the coop and all the international schools have needs all of a sudden. So we're hopeful that one way or another we can get some boots on the ground. So please pray for that and uh, for God's guidance in that process and for Michael's incorporation into the ministry. Uh, do trade and pray for these new pulpiteers, as we call them. Uh, you know, it's a big task for them to do, and it's an important task to faithfully do. And then just keep praying for our Chinese brothers and sisters um, for both perseverance and protection. So in the time that I was there with Katie together, about 10 years or so, there really wasn't a lot of persecution. Uh, I could very comfortably be there. They knew I was there, but very comfortably be there. But their current president is really returning to much more traditional Marxist, communist uh, ideology. And perseverance is indeed kicking up in the church again. They're beginning to face it. So early in the ministry, when Katie was alone, it was heavily persecuted, kind of went through a, uh, an eased period in the time that we served together over there kind of returning back to a season of persecution. So pray for their faithfulness. Uh, they're choked by all the same things over there that we're choked by over here. And uh, just pray that they'll be faithful and persevere. So with that, thank you for having us. And uh, Pastor Jeff, I guess you'll have some closing words. Thank you, Steve. First thing I would say is I, I had the blessing of uh, attending a couple of Zoom meetings with these men, these Chinese elders, and I was just, wow, so moved. I just so endeared to them so quickly because though a whole language and a culture separates us, the fact that we had Christ together and we were striving together for the gospel just gave, gave me a love for them just right off the bat. So super excited that we're able to be a part of that. I can't wait to be able to get over there myself someday and and shake their hand and see and be able to sit uh, next to them and pray with them. So be in prayer for this. Be in prayer, as you mentioned, these requests about the doors opening up for us to, to be able to pursue. In the meantime, the training will take place, and we're thankful for the technology that, that allows that. If you were um, in the first service and you're, you're going to leave after the Sunday school hour, I encourage you to come back this evening. You will be blessed by, by hearing from our two uh, Kenyan ministries. Brian and Nancy and, and Kyle and Maya, and just encourage you to come back and hear from them. And on your way out, stop by the table, grab a prayer card, uh, commit to praying for them. That's a good place to start. Commit to praying for them and uh, being faithful in that. And we're just thankful that we'll be able to be a part of these ministries. We're taking a break. Second service starts in just, just a moment. I do remind you, there's coffee and snacks or goodies, donuts up the next door in the ministry center, one classroom if you uh, 